this is really Trudy's book. And Trudy is now a few years older, still just over the moon about birds. She loves songbirds, whereas Micah loved raptors. She writes her bird logs and with great passion about the songbirds, but she's also even more passionate about Micah. She's just crazy for him. We'll talk about this and much more today. Welcome to a Writer's Day podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to a Writer's Day podcast. I'm happy to have you here. My name is Ruth Douthit, and I'm an award-winning, multi-published author who started this podcast four years ago for you. Folks who like to learn more about writing and to hear from amazing best-selling authors talk about their books and their writing journeys because they can be so inspirational for folks like us. So welcome. And as always, if you like what you hear, please consider following me, subscribing to my podcast, and be sure to sign up for my newsletter at artbyruth.com to learn more about my upcoming projects, to win free books, of course. I always do a book giveaway. And to find out who's going to be coming up on my podcast. I will be having Sarah Ellick on soon, Madeline Elizabeth coming soon, Amanda Cabot, Elizabeth Goddard, and so many more. I'm really excited about who's coming on my podcast soon. And you should be too, because these are all incredible authors who have so much to share with us about their writing journeys. So don't delay, go and sign up for my newsletter today and you can win a free PDF copy of my children's picture book, Peter and the Dragon Forest. And I'll send you the audio recording of the book as well, where I, where I read the book and have music and sound effects. It's a great treat to sit with your kids or your grandkids and read the book while listening to it at the same time. It really helps to expand their imagination. So be sure and head on over to artbyruth.com today. Best-selling Amish fiction author Suzanne Woods Fisher is here today. She's received high praise for her captivating, thought-provoking storylines. And she's taken a break from writing about ice cream to draft a story that is a companion story to A Season on the Wind. So those of you who loved that story, you will love this one. Lost and Found is releasing this month. And so you know the drill. Grab your favorite beverage, a comfortable chair, kick back and relax as we listen to Suzanne Woods Fisher talk about her new book, Lost and Found. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to a Writer's Day podcast. I'm so excited to have you here with me today because we are meeting with Suzanne Woods Fisher again. Welcome, Suzanne. Thank you so much for hosting me. It's fun to connect with you and your listeners as well. Of course. Yeah, well, I'm always honored to have you here. And why don't you catch us up as to what's been going on over the summer? Well, actually, even more recently, well, I guess we have a few days left of summer, but yeah. I've been on a library book tour and really enjoyed it. I was in Arkansas and Oklahoma going to some large libraries that like Fayetteville Library is one of the best in the United States. Really? It is huge. It is 
I can't even tell you. I can't even describe it. They actually even have things like a cooking school. They have a pilots. Um, you know, you can be learning how to be a pilot, an airplane pilot inside. What I don't know what they call that, but they have podcast booths. They have, I mean, you name it. Oh, wow. Live in that library the rest of your life. But I also went to some little rural libraries way out in the far corners. And that was actually in some ways even more exciting because you just see these communities, you see the library is the hub. Mm-hmm. These librarians are just remarkable people in how they try to bring readers and authors and books to people. And, you know, they're on a shoestring budget and they just do so much. So in a nutshell, that's what I'm kind of excited about. I just really came back a few days ago from the library tour. Wonderful. How long were you gone? I was gone about eight days and we did seven events. um, And it was to also promote Lost and Found, which was kind of fun to be able to talk about that. My It hasn't even released yet, but my publisher drop shipped a box to me. So that was fun to have the the uh, the real McCoy with me. So, Oh, neat. And what gave you that idea to go library hopping? <laughs> it, it's I have really appreciated trying to go to libraries, one, to support them. And I think sometimes, you know, writing about the Old Order Amish in particular, they are in isolated areas. They are in remote, but they are big readers. So I almost feel like going out to the places where they live, where they have the bookmobiles and they have the, you know, these tiny little libraries that that provide so much. I love doing it. And I think it's beneficial for me too, because I'm connecting, you know, one book will be read by umpteen readers. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's sort of just a win-win, but I, I really always come away wanting to do more of them. I I just love libraries. So that sounds wonderful for me. I mean, I could definitely get behind something like that. Uh, ever since I was a kid, library time was just like heaven. Mm-hmm. And I think it's something that we take for granted. You know, I mean, we always just think, oh, I'll just go to the library or the library will be there. And for me, I think when COVID happened and the shutdown and everything happened, that was such a loss was not being able to go to the physical, you know, brick and mortar library anymore. And people would say, oh, you can just go to their online site and and get a book. And I thought, yeah, but I love the smell of the books, you know, and seeing the books and feeling them. So I think a library tour through the United States is something I could definitely tap into. Yeah. Oh, good idea. Yeah. That would be, that would be a long tour. Yeah. We, we've been to New York City, but we did not go to the public library. I mean, what were we thinking? We were right there and we didn't go. That's Next. one of the libraries I've always wanted to see. Mm-hmm. New York I agree. City. Yeah. Oh, sounds amazing. And I'm so glad you had the physical copies of your book there too. That was fun to be able to provide that to people who just, you know, completely, you know, prior to release date. It was just really fun to have it. Good for you. What a, what a creative idea. Now let's talk about Lost and Found. Tell us about your inspiration for this story. Well, this is kind of a fun story. It is not necessarily a series, but it is a companion book to a book I wrote called Season in the Wind, and it released maybe a year or two ago. And it really is a book about birds. And at the end of it, I mean, my editor, when she loved it, but she said, you know, I think that's 
that's enough birds. And I remember thinking, I don't think it is. (laughs) (laughs) Her surprise and the book did incredibly well. I I think like seven or eight months on the bestseller list for ECP, which was kind of a surprise and a shock, not a shock necessarily, but usually books have a kind of a three month shelf life and and then the list turns over other than like C.S. Lewis. And, you know, yeah, right. <laughs> and so when I decided, I kind of broached her again about, well, I don't know, would you let me consider another bird book? She said, yes, go for it. So uh-huh. this, is, this is kind of a companion book where in the first book was about a young man named uh, Micah Yoder. My, no, I'm sorry, Micah Weaver. And his love interest is sort of Trudy Yoder. And in this, in that book, Micah, who has a stutter, does not like to talk, but he does listen well. And he was a avid birder and took people as a field guide out to see raptors. That's what he loved. And every chapter in the book is divided by his bird logs, which were kind of amusing. And for a man who stuttered, a young man who stuttered, this was the way you could go inside his head a little bit because he was very quiet. Okay, let's fast forward to Lost and Found. We- <laughs> Have, this is really Trudy's book. And Trudy is now a few years older, is still just over the moon about birds. She loves songbirds, whereas Micah loved raptors. She writes her bird logs and with great passion about the songbirds, but she's also even more passionate about Micah. She's just crazy for him. He is grudgingly kind of growing fond of her until a moment happens when he starts getting these mysterious phone calls left on his phone shanty's voice, you know, message machine, which is how the Amish have their phones. Uh, they don't, okay. have they have them in almost look like outhouses. Um, they are, they're just a decision that the bishops made in the 1930s when they made a decision that, that a phone could interrupt family life. And so they kept the phones outside and, you know, there's. Yeah. Very prescient. Right. (laughs) What can phone can phones interrupt our life? (laughs) Oh my goodness. Yes. Oh yeah. When you think of how often you're at a restaurant and you just see everyone talking to their phone, phone. but in the story, all of a sudden these messages are being left on a, on the voicemail and they are cryptic messages left by Trudy's older sister, Shelly, who had broken Micah's heart a few years ago when she left the Amish to pursue a singing career. And there are these messages that are like, Micah, I'm in trouble. And then she hangs up, Micah, you need to help me. You need to find me. He doesn't know what's going on and he's mad at her. So he doesn't even want to, but he can't quite resist listening to them. And then it dawns on him that he is a listener. This is why he's such an incredible birder. And he starts to pick up clues about her whereabouts by listening over and over and over again to these voicemails. With that, we've got now a love triangle because Trudy, Micah, and Shelly, not easy. You know how those triangles go. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's great. And it sounds so mysterious with these phone calls, <laughs> these cryptic calls. Ooh, I love that. <laughs> so you introduced two new sects of the older order in the Amish church. Why don't you explain that for us? Yes, and I'm, I'm so glad you asked about that. I think one of the things I love about studying the Amish and writing about them is that they're always surprising you. There is not one size fits all. They are they are as varied as, as all of us, even though they certainly share a lot of 
traditional values in common, but every church is a standalone. Every church, there's not a like a bishop that overrides a number of them. So you get the spectrum of such variety of super conservative, which would be the Swartz and Troopers or the Nebraska Amish or some others. You've got far to the other side, almost New Order Amish, Beachy Amish are who I have in this book. And their names come from, you know, the original bishop that had probably introduced the changes. So in this little town of Stony Ridge comes a Beachy Amish church, which is a very progressive church, meaning they have cars, they have electricity, they have, you know, computers in their home. They still dress plain, they still share a lot of values with the old order, but they are you know, they are really pulling the young away, which is what threatens the church. They're also buying up a lot of the farmland. And I think the little um, church that I have written most of my novels about is just feeling squeezed out. So historically, the Amish get up and move. They don't confront. They don't sit in conflict. They are pacifists. And they just quietly get up and move. And that's what the bishop has decided to do is to consider a relocation. Well, this relocation, the one that's on his mind is actually down in Tennessee, where there is farmland to be had, where there is space, where there is, you know, availability and openness to the plain people. But the people that are already there are the Schwarzentrubers, and that would be the arch conservative. We're talking no indoor plumbing, very isolated, okay. uh, very, you know, they are the ones, there's actually the largest and the fastest growing of all the old order Amish churches, but they are probably the ones that when you hear funny stories in the newspaper, it comes out of the sorts and troopers. They're just that, that far over. And that was the fun of writing the book because you have all these different points of view and yet they share the same history. They share the same Anabaptist tree, but they're very, very different. That's interesting. And I remember the Stony Ridge, those are the ones in Florida that you did some research and you found out there were the Florida Amish. Yeah, actually, the, I think what you're thinking of is Sarasota. Oh, that's right. Sarasota. Okay. And um, there's a little town called Pinecraft in Sarasota. Right. And that's where the Amish go to vacation. <laughs> that they, just blew me away when you told me that the last time I thought, what? They yeah. go there? <laughs> that's so amazing. So you have these three uh, orders, the, the sex uh, coming together. And so that creates conflict and drama as well, right? It does. It really is the heart of the conflict in this story. How are they going to resolve this? Peaceable people who are at odds you know, with each other, even though they are all under the same umbrella of the Anabaptist church. Yeah, that is fascinating because I, I never realized that it happened like that. I think most people don't understand that there are different orders like that. You always just think of them as being that ultra conservative but yeah. Uh, yeah, I could see where that would cause some conflict in the midst of your love triangle. Then you have this other thing going on too. <laughs> yeah. But that creates that layers, that depth for readers yes. too. It's not just one plot line going on. You've got some background stuff going on too. Interesting. Well, that, and then I also like people to finish a book with learning something, you know, just mm -hmm. really learning. And I, I, you know, because all of our churches are constantly having conflicts and splitting and dividing or, you know, right. I, I know. You need to the Amish. This is part of 
of, it's a miracle the church survives. And it's just, I think, very faith building to think it has survived despite people. That's true. I mean, yeah, we're, it's made up of human beings, so it's going to be flawed, unfortunately. <laughs> Here we are 2000 years later, and it's continuing to grow and expand. And I, I feel like that is the faith building part that you realize this is not of a, not of human origin. Mm -hmm. Exactly. It has that foundation, that solid foundation. And uh, we were told the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So now I know in writing, when we develop characters, we want to think about their superpowers. And it seems like Micah's superpower <laughs> might be that listening skill, correct? I love that you said that. <laughs> I think it is a gift. I don't know if he's mature enough quite yet to realize how gifted it, how he can use his gifts other than birding, but because he's not the best listener to Trudy, <laughs> for example. <laughs> but yes, he definitely has, and because of his stuttering, he, he's just learned to, to say as few words as he can and to listen and capture with his ears, which is the first part, you know, it's funny, bird watching is really about really bird listening. That's how you identify a bird to begin with. You stop and listen, and then you can start to zero in on where the bird is. But birding is a big part of the Amish as well. They are, they have a, a deep reverence for nature. And that's where I sort of got interested in birding. I think until I had traveled to visit a lot of different um, towns and individuals in those little churches, I don't think I realized how big a deal birding is, but they, they call it like hunting without guns. They just yeah, right. Exactly. Really? And photographing them and documenting them, drawing them, of course, painting mm -hmm. them. Wonderful. I've never gotten into it either, but I would love to. I think that's great. Is that uh, what was the inspiration behind you, you know, behind wanting to use birding in this novel? What was your inspiration? Well, I truly have observed the depth of interest that the Amish have for birding. They, I mean, birds are everywhere. Every single continent has some form of birds. It's just amazing. And there's such a miracle. The more you know, the less you know. I mean, to think that they, some of these tiny little birds can migrate from the Arctic Circle down to the bottom of Africa every year and back again and amazing, not get lost. And, and so the Amish are on a, where I should say where most of the Amish live. There are four flyways across the United States. And the much of the Amish live along the Ohio flyway. So they are getting so many birds coming through. Of course, they're farmers as well. And the birds will reach certain places where they are exhausted and they just stop and pause to re regroup and rest. And birds travel at night. So they're resting during the day, but they're tired enough that there's a lot of, of you know, rare birds that are found and can be observed up close. So I really wanted to bring in the birding aspect. And then during the pandemic, bird watching across the country hit an all-time high. So many people got into birding. So it was kind of a, a happy accident that the birding and the Amish all came together at the same point. I can see why you'd want that to be in your book. That is amazing. And it's funny because I just interviewed Amanda Cox about bees because she's a beekeeper. Oh, yes. And now I'm interviewing viewing you about birds. So this is really interesting. Yeah, I want <laughs> I'm to learning a lot about nature. Yes, <laughs> got her book. In fact, I want to read it. Mm -hmm, me too. Hold the bees. Yeah. And I think that's 
one thing that uh, we can rest in is the the Lord takes care of these birds as they migrate these incredible distances. And like it says in the Bible, as Jesus said, if God's taking care of them, how much more is he going to take care of you? You know, mm-hmm. so there's that rest there. Oh, I love that. Now, yeah. you mentioned that this book complements A Season on the Wind. What made you want to do that instead of just a full-blown series? Well, I have to be honest, I really wanted to do a full-blown series. I The Season on the Wind is a story about the Christmas Audubon, um, the Audubon Society's Christmas Bird Count, the CDC. Oh, okay. Yeah. And the Amish participate in it and love it. They The boys in Ohio, for example, who can ride bicycles are zooming around the circles, counting the birds during the bird count. The Amish bird count is a fascinating, fascinating thing. I mean, it, it came as kind of a reaction to killing birds <laughs> in mm-hmm. the early, you know, like late, late 1800s, they would actually have a day around Christmas of, of kind of massive, it was a hunt. It was just oh, was of, it like a calling them or, you know, no, to preserve them or it was just hunting? It was this hunting and killing and using the feathers and things like that. And this one gentleman came up with this idea of instead of killing, let's count them. And that was really, you know, way before conservationism was much of anything in our country. It was still a sense that there was an abundance, but they were really, you know, really damaging the population of so many unique birds. So, but think back to those women's feather hats, Yeah, how they used to look, you know, in the turn of the century. So that put a damper on things like that. But, <laughs> um, but I, I had this idea of doing the different counts because the Audubon Society does different counts through the year. And it was, and I hope my editor won't be mad at me, but she really didn't think, she really thought one bird book was enough and she has since changed her thinking. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe that will be a theme, not necessarily a series, but you'll have that theme throughout several books. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's so great. So you walked away from ice cream for a little while to go back to the Amish. So coming what's next? Cream. Oh, are I- you going back to ice cream? Well, I have one more coming out in the spring. Yeah, the conclusion to the series. And it's going to be called Love on a Whim. And it is a wonderful wrap up to this series set in Chatham, Massachusetts. And I've, I think it's, you know, it's not easy to pull a series in because you're kind of landing a big, big, jumbo jet (laughs) to keep that story arc alive through the the three books and i think this is going to be a wonderful wrap-up oh how exciting and ready for more ice cream yeah all your readers are so excited for that and listeners you can connect with suzanne at her website at www.suzannewoodsfisher.com and she's also on instagram at suzanne woods fisher and i'm sure they can sign up for your newsletter at your website best place yeah just go to my website just like you said suzannewoodsfisher.com and there'll be a little pop-up screen and my newsletter is the best way to keep in touch and kind of more private news and first peeks at things and family updates and things that i don't necessarily share on a larger scale i will share with my readers Mm, fantastic great well suzanne thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to chat with us oh i loved it It so much fun to chat with you you do a good job Wasn't that fun listening to Suzanne talk about her new book, Lost and Found? I learned a lot about birds and what birding is, and now I'm intrigued. I want to try bird watching for a while. And we always learn something new from her, especially about the Amish. 
so you can pre-order a copy of her book today it releases on september 26th so you still have time to pre-order her book and head on over to her website to learn more about her upcoming projects thanks so much for joining me today i hope that you've been encouraged by suzanne and her incredible knack of storytelling and finding those unique storylines to include and those themes to include in her stories I know I've been inspired to sit down and start writing my next story. Remember, always go forward on this writing journey, one step at a time. And until next time, God bless you.